For Your Information is brought to you by listeners like you. Your contributions make this station possible. Also, the Mason Jar Company, ruining that one guy's rerun since 2015. Ladies and gentlemen, live from coast to coast, we proudly present For Your Information with Zach and John. Finale of For Your Information, a podcast about good movies, better cocktails, and best friends. We're your hosts, Zach. And I'm John. And this week, we're going to do something a little different. Uh, we're going to send off season two with a kind of like a Q&A episode, with, possibly with like a free discussion type shit like at the end. I don't know, guys. Like, 2020 was such a fucking wreck that I, uh, I, I needed a break. I didn't feel like doing a whole bunch of research. I just kind of wanted to talk to my good friend, John, you know, send off this season right. Yeah, um, 2020 was an absolutely crazy year. Uh, we're glad to have been here for the entertainment of the chosen few who have listened to most or all of our episodes. Uh, thanks for that. Um, but for those of you that are casual listeners or just happen to be listening to this, uh, this is for you too. You know, uh, maybe give you a little bit of insight into what goes on here, the types of things that we're doing, the types of things that we have been uh, paying attention to as it relates to the podcast, and uh, just having a good old uh, kind of relaxed time, sending it off and getting ready for this uh, new season. Yep, season three baby which uh by the way will be arriving probably um either the first or second week of february uh we're, we're trying to get some we're trying to get some episodes in the can before we start releasing them but we promise we will be back in february yes if not before then maybe we'll have something special maybe we won't uh who knows who knows it's a crazy crazy world uh we might not even be here in february who knows i don't know no one knows <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Come on, Giant Meteor 2021. It disappointed us in 2020. Just bring it in 2021. Please, dear God. Yes, yes, please. God, if you're real, fucking end it. Anyway. Ah, uh, hot take. <laughs> hot takes. Anyway, speaking of our listeners, uh, like John said, we want to thank you guys for sticking with us through um, this season. I feel like this season was a lot better than the first season. I feel like there was more good content than bad. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think uh, it's been a learning process for us. This is more or less the first podcast type project that either of us have really committed to. And uh, it, I'm sure it kind of shows to somebody who's used to listening to uh, professionally produced podcasts or something a bit more polished. And uh, I think that's fine. I, I think that it's good to have those types of uh, growing pains and learning curves uh with this season in particular, I really feel like we came into our own technically, and I really feel like we came into our own with the writing. I think we kind of have a product that we're proud of, like, well and truly. Some of these episodes have really just been entertaining to make, entertaining to re-listen to. Uh, we've gotten good feedback from some of our regular listeners, and, and it's been a really good experience. It really has, and, like, it's honestly, I didn't, I never thought I'd have fun editing audio. Like, I, like when we started the podcast, I was so nervous about it, because I was like, oh, this is going to be so fucking long and boring but honestly editing is almost my favorite part because you can do really so cool much fun know. stuff like uh i think my favorite thing i did this season was uh the roger rabbit episode really <laughs> yeah because um you know 
kind of breaking away from the um you know the shtick of the podcast um so we um f- when frank was in the studio he was actually in the studio like that was not a um that, that that was a that was a fucking game we were playing that was a bit so but i didn't know how to uh make him sound like he was on the phone at first so uh what i ended up doing was like i just uh i put it through a bunch of compressors and like amplified it really bad and made it sound really shitty like it was coming over like a like a speakerphone mm-hmm. and that was really fun yet tedious to do like I-, I think that alone like just that little like two minute conversation of us back and forth with frank probably took about like 45 minutes Oh, okay. Which which doesn't sound like a lot, but it was a labor of love. Like, I had a lot of fun doing it. But I think that's, that's my favorite, like, technical thing we did this season. Yeah, and I know being a guy that's a little bit more closely tied to entertainment, you know, you have some friends in the industry, you've done a couple of personal projects for, uh, you know, writing and comedy and stuff. Uh, it, th- this is a good skill set for you to have, I think. And I've been really oh, yeah. impressed with your ability to uh, pull the technical side together, you know, especially being the kind of a gorilla setup that we have. Oh, yeah absolutely like i mean like there is no studio there is no nothing uh frank synopsis is unfortunately real um yes we um you know i mean this is this is diy we we are um barely getting away with the copyright about talking about these movies oh yeah yeah honestly i'm kind of surprised that well maybe we just don't have the traction yet to garner any negative attention from bigger entities or i I don't know well no i mean we're talking about it in a scholarly or parody fashion so i mean like no one can really come for us i don't think but i mean who's to say like i mean like that's how you know you made it right it's like if if disney sends us a cease and desist it's like they listened yeah right somebody in the disney conglomerate was like hey these guys over here they're making mickey mouse look bad (laughs) oh goodness so speaking of our listeners um this year we actually had a pretty big jump in listeners we went from about like 15 listeners to like about a hundred and something so thank you guys for that i mean that means that people that means you actually are telling your shitty friends that means you're you know putting it out there maybe we're grabbing a few from like hashtags and shit and you know what that that's the kind of growth i was looking for like i mean i like i'm cool with that I yeah, like, you know, I like we, our we little tried family. To keep this, uh, yeah, we've tried to keep this pretty casual for the most part. You know, we really haven't dumped a whole lot of resources into it. We just wanted it to be genuine and wanted it to be entertaining and wanted it to be fun without making it into something that, it, you know, it may or may not could actually be. You know, we didn't want to force anything too hard. And I, I think it's paying off a little bit, you know. And I think I'd rather have a few listeners that stay around for that reason than a few more listeners who are here for, I, I, I don't know, maybe we're just one in a big pantheon of uh podcasts that they get on like a weekly new list exactly exactly but you know and the more listeners we get the the more the show will evolve but you know i like i'm i'm happy with how this season went i have some big ideas for season three but i i'm i'm happy with how this season went especially because and this is weird and uh i never ever when we started this podcast i never thought i would get to say this but um to our international listeners hi how are you oh what the yeah fuck? absolutely yeah right uh i don't know how you found us i'm sorry first off yeah um, exactly we, yeah we do have a sense of humor over here i know a lot of the things you probably see in the international news may suggest otherwise but it's the only way to deal with some of the weird crap that happens and it doesn't really matter what side of the aisle you sit on uh, there's a lot of it exactly and um if I'm leaving anybody out, um, please uh, feel free to holler at us on Facebook and let us know where you're from, and we'll make sure to shout you out. But um, 
We have listeners in uh, the UK, Germany, and we have a sizable cluster of listeners in Australia. Yeah, so uh, good day, mate. Uh, have yourself <laughs> some Vegemite in our honor. Um, I know Foster's is like an Americanized thing. It's not really an Australian product, but I'll pour one out for you. <laughs> and we just lost all of them. <laughs> you know, was that, was that I, technically Australian racist? I don't know, because that's like being racist against Americans. Like, there's just too many different types. <laughs> true, 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 true. But anyway, yeah, exactly. <laughs> thank you all for listening. And uh, hope, like John said, hopefully uh, this will uh, change your mind about Americans if you have different opinions about Americans. But yes. um, yeah, thank you guys for listening. And thank you to all our American listeners as well. Don't think that we're le- leaving you out. But uh, it's kind of uh, yes. like... Um, you know, when your relatives that live in the same city as you do come to Thanksgiving, it doesn't mean as much as when the cousins that live three states away come. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> but it, it is still appreciated, and we love all of you guys. Now, we genuinely do. We genuinely, genuinely do. So, let's do... I think the next thing I want to do is do a check-in with you, John. Okay. Okay, so, when we started this podcast, you were not really a movie lover. Like, you you, like you watched movies, but, you know, it was more in a passing type of way. Uh, yeah, definitely a casual viewer. I, I am the target of most, you know, uh, I, I guess movie companies, uh, entertainment companies. They want to get these casual asses in seats. Oh, yeah, for sure. But, um, so, how how close are you to becoming a cinephile yet? Have I Have I ruined you? You know, I pay a lot more attention to different things now, especially when it comes to the behind-the-scenes stuff. You know, like, when I'm watching a movie, I'll look up some of the actors and see what other stuff they've been in and put together, like, you know, a train of events and be like, oh, well, they were in this movie and they were in that movie and, like, you know, uh, it makes sense now. Or, like, maybe, like, the time and place, you know, and there's, like, a movie was made in 1988 or this was Touchstone, so now I know that it's a Disney affiliate. You know, that type of stuff I do pay a lot more attention to. I don't Mm -hmm. know that I'm a proper cinephile in the sense that I know a lot about the way that the movie is made and stuff like that like if you want to ask me a question about like i don't know alcohol right because again podcast has some alcohol in it um i i can tell you a little bit about how the different things that i drink are made but i mean most people are just casual drinkers oh yeah for sure for sure um like i mean i've definitely seen you like be more interested in how movies are made and like doing your like if you have the imdb app on your phone um that that's that's a pretty clear sign that you're you're on your downward spot into this bullshit it's um movies have always been like a really fun thing for me like i love knowing how they're made like i i originally wanted to go to school for film but you know your boy broke and uh to go to film school you have to be surprisingly um either like upper middle class or like lower upper class if that makes Mm -hmm. any sense like it's um it gets pretty dicey and it's really really competitive and i'm just i'm not into competing with people at all like Mm -hmm. i'm like which i mean in some senses might make you a great independent filmmaker yeah it's like i don't want like if i were to make movies i don't think i would want to make a marvel movie i'd want to make something more like clerks or you know it's something in that vein like something that's like kind of fun and like almost doesn't make any sense why you bothered filming it it just kind of feels like a play for the art for the art for the hell of it for the fun of it um so that leads me to my next question john so do you watch movies outside of the podcast now i do um every now and again i'll i'll get into something that i normally would watch anyway but i use it as a um 
I guess I use it as a platform to get more into the movie type stuff, you know, so I can like look at something that I would normally watch and be like, okay, now I can digest it a little differently knowing a little bit more about the whole process. So like I might watch like a crappy horror movie or something like that or watch something with a specific actor and be like, oh, I remember that guy and you know, I'll watch it because of that. Uh, off the top of my head, I don't really have a lot of examples, but um, mm-hmm. I remember when we were putting together the uh, the Cannibal film episodes, uh, a lot of those movies were movies that I did the research on. Uh, a lot of movies that I pulled out of the hat, that I went and did a lot of the deep dive, get your knuckles deep kind of thing going on with those movies. And, and, that, um, and that's that, why John's not allowed to do that anymore, because dear God, that was a, right. that was a dark two weeks. That was a dark two weeks, uh, and the weeks leading up to it were equally dark and kind of disgusting. Uh, March Madness also, you know, I, I kind of enjoy March Madness. Those were movies that I was pretty familiar with already, um, and I would say that it's not the only thing that I watch, but I, I do frequently watch them. Um, well, them. Movies like that, I guess. Oh yeah, for sure. Like, I kn- I, I know your shit. And that's why, like, I try and bring you outside of that a little bit. And I th- and I think, like, it's important to watch the classics. Like, just like you should al- you should always read, like, the classic literature. I think there's there's something to be said about watching classic cinema. Yeah, even if it is all racist. It, it I mean, yeah, but, you know, it, I don't want to say it is what it is because it, it was wrong then, it's wrong now. But at the same time, it's, this is a classic film, it's... It's already been made. When you're watching something, you know, pre-1980, pre-1990, well, really pre-2010, because I think 2010 is when we officially said, like, okay, we need to leave some of this shit behind and, like, you know, find other things that are funny. Right, right. So anytime you're watching something pre-that, like, it, you run the chance of watching something that has, like, an outdated worldview or an outdated, like, even technology. Like, so that's how I view it. It's like... I don't look at an iPod Nano like it's a piece of shit. I'm just like, oh, this is old. I'm not going to expect it to be, you know, I'm not going to expect it to have internet connectivity and like for me to be able to watch Pornhub on it. Like, because it's not meant to do that. Just like, I can't, you know, like, (sighs) this is a difficult conversation. Wow. Okay. Well, we really, we I, really got. No, no, no. I mean, I'm gonna say it. It's just like it, it's, it's like, it's like the example I just gave. It's you can't expect everything to be okay by today's standards. Like right. it just, like it just doesn't work like that. And right. should we just throw all of cinema away because of that? Like, no. There's some stuff that came out unscuffled, and that's even more amazing. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's important to remember some of these things. Maybe not glorify them, but to remember them so that we don't make the same mistakes that we made in the past so that we don't forget that it did in fact happen and it is a thing and it is something that we uh we put together as a people you know good bad or indifferent but you know we can learn from it right 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 so you know anytime there's a little disclaimer like on hbo max with gone with the wind uh just you know be mindful (laughs) yeah yeah or like song of the south which uh they've done all of their great wonderful things to eradicate but we remember pepperidge <laughs> farm remembers don't ever forget don't let them let you forget they exactly. could they could take away splash mountain all they want <laughs> oh god I, I do you think maybe disney will ever like just release song of the south kind of like maybe uh maybe like another like 50 60 years in the future where it like really can't hurt anybody anymore <laughs> no absolutely not 
Uh, I mean, they've expressed that, like, they want to make it available, but, like, they're trying to find the right context in which to release it. Yeah, I think that's the problem is that there is no correct context. Yeah, it's like, this is a big thorn in your side, and you went ahead and made a theme park attraction about it. Anyway, I love Disney, but that is a very dark time in their history. There's actually a really good, um, if I can make a podcast recommendation for you, if you're interested in that particular era of Disney, um, there's a podcast called You Must Remember This, and it's uh, a series they did called seven degrees of song of the south and it's very very good oh wonderful yeah and it i mean it goes into a lot of film history as well so um yeah check that out uh i can't i can't recommend it enough they've got a bunch of good episodes or like a good bunch of good series i need to uh, i'll make more recommendations like that when i find them but anyway uh let's move on to the next question um so what was your favorite movie that we covered this year uh that's a hard one um i really really liked casablanca uh, I right. thought Casablanca was, like, sweet. Like, it was just so much right with that movie, you know? It, there was just so much good going on. Um, I'm trying to think through some of our, like, summer movies that we did. Um, I thought uh, Scrooge was pretty good. You know, there were a lot of movies like that. Or, like, uh, uh, Rushmore. Rushmore was also pretty good. Like, there were a lot of movies that I liked. If I had to pick a favorite one, I, I think it would have to be maybe Casablanca. I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. it's Casablanca. Like, it's so good. You know, I think I might have even liked it a little bit more than Citizen Kane. Yeah, that's, I I could see that, and I think I might be inclined to agree with you, like, Citizen Kane is not even, like, an every year viewing for me, but, like, I could see making a tradition out of watching Casablanca every year. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's so appealing, like, it's so good, you know, but even though it might not be the most complicated, or it might not be the most historically significant, I mean, it's just good, you know, it's like when you go to the store, and you buy yourself, like, a, uh... You know, like a Pop-Tart. Like, your favorite flavor of Pop-Tart. Like, is it a great dessert? Like, no. Is it good for you? No. But, like, I mean, it's yours. It's 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 appeal. It's still got the appeal that you liked the first time you saw it. Right, right, right. Um, I think... I don't have a particular favorite movie that we covered this year. I mean, like, most movies that we cover, I like. But I think... I think my favorite thing that happened this season was during March Madness and you finally made me watch um, Toxic Avenger, which is something that, like, that was, like, a movie that, like, I thought I had seen, but I had clearly not. Ah, <laughs> uh, right, yeah. It's, um, so when I finally watched it, I was like, wow, this is still pretty gross by today's standards. It is. Uh, Sans test of time, in a sense. <laughs> Some things will just always be offensive. <laughs> But, um, you know, and I think going back through, like, film history this year was great, especially because there wasn't a lot coming out this year. Mm-hmm. And, like, I mean, I can really count probably on two hands the amount of new movies I saw. Not that there weren't new movies to see, but I just wasn't interested in any of them. But, um... Did you see anything new that came out in 2020, like, film, TV, otherwise, that you were impressed with? You know, man, not really. I mean, it's been a real busy year for me. I haven't had the most time on my hands, and a lot of the time that I have had on my hands, I've tried to spend, like, uh, either with people or doing things that I'm not going to get to do in the future. Uh, You know, I I am in the process of maybe planning a move back to the East Coast in the coming years, and so... Uh, uh, for personal reasons and for like family reasons and stuff you know uh, there's been some things going on and i haven't had the most time to uh focus on new stuff and a lot of movies that i do watch are podcast related 
devastated. I mean, for obvious reasons, I have to watch them. You know, if it's a movie you've seen like four or five times, maybe you just watch a highlight reel on YouTube. For me, I can't really do that. So that's like a, a one and a half to two hour commitment every week to watch a new movie that I haven't seen before and actually pay attention to it, you know? So like, I think a lot of my time goes into that. Um, mm -hmm. And I wouldn't say that I've seen an awful lot of new stuff. Maybe I've seen a couple of them. I know I saw like the um, the new season of Haunting of Hill House this year. Uh, that was good. You know, th this that was fun. Casual stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, there's another series called uh, Dead to Me. I think that came out this year as well. It Maybe did. late last year. I don't. Yeah. That was really good too. Like some of those types of things have really impressed me. But um, as far as like new movie movies that came out, I couldn't really put my finger on one that stuck out to me uh, as like a favorite. Right. 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 Um, I would say that, like, I tried to watch new movies. Um, the only movie I saw in a theater this year was, uh, The Invisible Man, which I was, um, initially impressed by. Mm -hmm. Um, it, I watched it again, like, outside of the theater, and it, it was okay. It was literally, like, it was, it was definitely, like, a 65% movie for me. Like, okay. better than expected, but, like, not really my cup of tea. Not even that it's not my cup of tea, but just, like, eh. Like, I, I feel like it could have been better. Like, it could have been a little tighter, but Elizabeth Moss was very fucking good in that movie. Um, I would say the my other favorite movies that I saw this year um, were um, Soul, that came out on Disney Plus on Christmas Day. That was actually really, really good and uh, quite touching and moving. Um, I actually think that you would end up enjoying it, John. It's about, like, a middle school jazz teacher. Okay. Yeah, I think I think you would find some things to like in that. And then um it's a Christmas movie, so it might be hard to watch now, but uh Happiest Season on Hulu. That was that was actually a pretty good movie, had a nice little message in it. It's um it's one of it's it's one of the many like um LGBT Christmas movies that came out this year. Mm-hmm. That had uh, not what does it have a Josh Groban soundtrack? It does not. Ah, miss an opportunity. <laughs> Missing I don't know why Josh Groban is just, you know. <laughs> Why he's just not on every LGBT soundtrack? Why is it? Well, that Christmas. I was going with the Christmas movie thing, but sure, why not? I, I you know, why not, Josh Groban? Why haven't you done that? I don't know. Like, I'm. I think I'm kind of sick of like the modern crooner shtick. Like, I, I do not want to listen to Michael Bublé Christmas anymore or Josh Groban uh, Christmas. What we need is a throwback. We need like a meatloaf Christmas. <laughs> um. <laughs> get some uh, i don't know i don't know why a meatloaf christmas album reminded me of this but did you hear um van morrison's fucking uh pandemic songs no oh god they're horrible please please <sighs> go check that out like he, i think one of his songs is like born to be free and he reminds uh and he rhymes born free with uh mask free like, oh why did he uh <laughs> Oh god, I, it's horrible. It, I didn't it, realize Van Morrison was on this uh COVID hoax train. Oh yes. Oh yes. He is uh he has gone off the fucking rails. That that Wasn't man... Van Morrison like a freewheeling hippie rocker? Oh yeah, dude, that's the all the hippies are fucking Trump supporters now. Not not oh, to my not god. to malign anyone. -ism. Ted Nugent is basically a like a living breathing fascist. Like if I can think of anyone who is an actual <laughs> fascist, it is Ted Nugent. You, you, Ted Nugent. Ted Nugent. Like he pretends like he's like more of a libertarian type. He is absolutely one hundred percent a fascist. I. It's been the year of the fascist. I think maybe uh, people have become very loose about the way they employ the term fascist. I'll have to do some research on Ted Nugent to see if he actually is. Uh, if I 
if he is in fact authoritarian enough to be a fascist. <laughs> he he absolutely is. But um, trust me, I don't. I try not to use the word fascist like lightly. But uh, it's been it like you said, it's been a big year for fascism, like whether yeah. real or only implied. It's been a. It's this is the 2020 year in view podcast. If this isn't what you wanted to hear, I don't know what you expected. <laughs> it's um yeah. I mean, we try not to get too political on here, but you know, I mean. I feel like this is pretty light political, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so too. It's been a wild time. Uh, again, international listeners, I'm sure you get an earful of this, and you're tired of hearing about it. I live here, and I'm tired of hearing about it. We, we, we out here. We're living the real truth here. Anyway. Yes, I'm sorry that you're subjected constantly to our news because we hate being subjected constantly to our news. Please send us your news. I'm sure it's better. Yes, yeah, send news. Send news. <laughs> All right, let, let's let's do some rapid fire questions. Uh, so, John, what would you say your favorite film genre is now? Is it still like that campy, like B horror shit? I do appreciate that. I still watch plenty of it. Um, I think as a standing genre, I've become very attached to drama. Actually, so again, like really? your Rushmore type movies. Um, those have, yeah, I have actually really come to enjoy those. Um, I think also that film noir is a genre that I'm really excited to get into, uh, mm-hmm. especially going back and talking about Casablanca again, uh, being like a film noir adjacent kind of film. I- I'm very interested to get into that, and I'm much more receptive to drama now than I once was. Um, and-, and I don't know if that has to do more with learning about how it's made or like the writing process or, you know, what it is about them, but I mean, they're just more engaging. May- maybe I'm just uh, becoming a little bit less visually focused and a little bit more like thematically focus right 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 and i mean that's cool too um i've actually dove farther into horror but i'm really like i said i'm really enjoying like like i enjoy the classics but i'm also enjoying how like some of the new school directors are doing horror where it's like you know almost art house horror like i'm kind of i'm really here for it like i think i think this is going to be a big move i think it's going to be a big mood um okay, i'm okay. excited for it um drama is not necessarily like my favorite thing like just pure drama dramas like it like um like something like dead poet society like it's a good movie and it's fun well i guess it's not technically fun to watch but it's um like stuff like that has never been my favorite like i like dark shit but i kind of like it when it gets a little more in the horror genre when it's dark um Something that I've been trying to, like, I've started accumulating Blu-rays so that I can kind of get into this, but um, I'm kind of, like, interested in the Giallo movement from the 70s, like, Italian Giallo film in the 70s. Ah, okay. I'm starting to get into that. Like, I've watched some scenes, and I bought... I have, like, about two or three movies now, so I'm going to watch them all back-to-back. Pulp Fiction-type Italian movies. Yes. Okay. And it's, um, it's, like, apparently, like, some of the bloodiest shit, like, to come out of Italy. Like, it's all, like, some of it might even be, like, Cannibal Holocaust level. So I'm, like, interested to see that, but, like, outside of the, like, cannibal context. Okay, okay. Because, um, if it's, like, you know, just normal people killing normal people, I'm cool with that. I think the problem with the cannibal one was it was, like, it's, like, every little aspect of it felt wrong. Oh, yeah, it was a deeply problematic, yeah. Like, so, like, it's not even just that the gore was intense, it was that everything was intense. Like, it was just a complete assault on your ears and eyes and stomach, basically. Yeah, yeah, I could agree with that. Okay, so, uh, next rapid-fire question, uh... 
Uh, so what what is your favorite cocktail? Like, do you uh, have a favorite like go to cocktail? Not necessarily something that you made for the podcast, unless it is just now your favorite cocktail. But like, I want to know like what your favorite drink is. You know, um, it's funny that you should mention this because uh, one of the most requested cocktails that I get from people that I know and drink with is the, the Yippie Kaye Blue Motherfucker that we made for, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, Die Hard. Uh, yeah, people just really, really like that one. It's simple and it's fun and it's, you know, it. I guess people really like the way it tastes. I'm like, I... I of all the cocktails that I've made, I don't know why this is the one that everybody latched onto, but they like it a lot, and I drink them too. I mean, they're, they're perfectly good. They're kind of sugary, but I mean, uh, that's fine. Uh, so I yeah. think from the podcast, that is so far the crowd favorite, and I tend to agree, just for the sake of simplicity and for the sake of, uh, you know, having a decent drink. Uh, I think, personally, what is my favorite drink, like, in general? I am a, uh, I'm a, I'm a straight spirits guy now. So, uh, whiskeys, uh, bourbons in particular, just neat, maybe with an ice cube, doesn't really make much of a difference to me. Uh, I really just appreciate trying new whiskeys. Uh, tequilas as well. I'll drink, uh, like a Reposado tequila neat, you know, just sip on it, you know? Uh, I, I like my tequila with ice more often than I like it neat, uh, whereas I'm a little bit the opposite way with whiskey, and I'll, I'll prefer the whiskey neat and not with ice. So, uh, yes. between the two, there's a lot of interesting stuff to drink, and again, with the, like, knowing what you drink, and, like, the way you are with movies is kind of the way I am with booze, so when it comes to something like whiskey, there's a lot to talk about, you know, the way it's made, the mash bill, where it's made, how it's made, like what the flavor profiles are like. Uh, like, there, there's so much to it when you really get past the whole, like, drinking straight liquor thing that most people that most people have trouble breaking that wall, you know? So, w- mm-hmm. But once you get into it, I mean, I really enjoyed it. It's something that I have uh, enjoyed doing with people that I know and care about. I know people that are also into it, and we have, like, a little thing where we'll just kind of get together and do it, so... Right, right, right. And I, I've always enjoyed any cocktail you've made. Um, like I've said before, um, you make a killer Long Island. So um, that that's definitely my favorite thing you've ever made. But like, I've also, <laughs> because you kind of bully me about it a little bit, I've been getting into straight liquor as well. Uh, the only like liquor I can't get into uh, straight is gin. Uh, yeah, that's a hard one. I don't even really do that. Yeah, I mean, it because... At first, I was like, well, maybe I should, because, like, what's the difference of putting it in, you know, sparkling water? The sparkling water makes all the fucking difference. Yeah, so with spirits, specifically something flavorful like gin, when you mix it with water or sparkling water, it pulls the flavors out a little longer. It's not so concentrated. It's not like an assault on your senses. Um, And that's why people will get, like, a scotch and drip some distilled water in it. The distilled water's not going to bring any taste into it, but it separates. It makes it a little bit longer. It makes it a little bit lower ABV, you know? Mm -hmm. So you're more able to enjoy the flavors and you don't have to be constantly just bombarded with the uh the, the abrasiveness of the the flavors and the the alcohol ethanol experience correct yeah that's that makes a lot of sense to me um i, I like the science of booze like it like because because on a molecular level it all makes sense like you know you can only have so much of this before this happens and like right. ha- and like how your body digests it and how everyone is completely different like because like quote-unquote tolerance is bullshit like it's all about like how many calories you ate that day what's your body mass what's yeah your... yeah because like... how used to it you are you know because i mean obviously like tolerance like oh you lightweight drinker like uh, yeah some people have like a genetic predisposition their livers just don't handle it very well but like uh, i mean now i'm finding to where like i just drink for pleasure because like if i'm trying to just get like drunk drunk i i don't even really do it anymore because like i i just like 
why? It's just gonna make me feel like crap. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so like, exactly. You, you just do it because you like it. You know, it, it's not like when you just you turn twenty one and you're just like having fun on the weekends with your buddy. Like it's it's not like that usually now. No, I I mean I've said it before on the podcast, and I don't know if it's illegal for me to say this, but like I would so much rather like smoke weed than drink. To be completely oh, honest yeah. with you, like, I mean as a person who hasn't smoked weed in oh god, coming up on like. A long time. <laughs> can I just... Uh, you know what? Yeah, I can say it. I, I, it's legal for me to say that I smoked weed before. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, for, for me to come out and say, like, yeah, you know, having, like, six plus years or whatever since I've, you know, smoked weed. Like, I... Ah, that's... Yeah. No, it, it's... I remember it fondly. I'm not bite chomping at the bit to do it again for administrative reasons. Right, right, right. Now, I... I completely understand. I just, like, I feel like it's such a cleaner time. Like, I, I don't feel as hazy. And, I, and, like, I don't, I don't know. There's something about being drunk that I don't like as much anymore. And I don't know why. Um, It's, uh, it's definitely been, like, it's especially this year because, like, I'm, I'm a very depressive person. So, like, having, like, a shit ton of depressants in my body, like, really doesn't help me. And, like, with how much bullshit this year has been and how much heartbreak there's been, it's just, like... I can't afford to be this sad for, like, an extended period of time that is now, like, undiscernible because I'm so drunk. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, no, I I, I feel that, you know, and uh, being somebody who doesn't necessarily struggle with those problems at all, um, a little bit different experience, and for me, I, I mean, it's just become, like, a practical thing, and not to just make this whole thing about, you know, drinking and my drinking habits or whatever, but, like, I definitely see what you mean about having that, uh, separate experience, you know, I live in California, we've had recreational weed for, uh, coming up on, like, three years now, and mm-hmm. actually, no, almost exactly three years at the uh, the time of this recording. And you know what, man? It's just not that big a deal. And it is truly just a better experience for some people. They use it a lot more healthfully than they would be using booze. And, like, I, uh, if you're going to do anything like that, I don't see why that can't be your thing. You know, just be responsible with it. And I, I you know what, again, without making this all about substance abuse or substance use, <laughs> um, I definitely see what you mean. Yep. And, uh, I mean, it, I mean, everything is the same. Too much of anything is bad. But, yeah. anyway, we'll, we'll get off our soapbox now. Um, one last rapid-fire question. Answer this however you want. Uh, do you think a good video game movie is possible? Um, ooh, uh, that's a hard one. Um, I think Duke Nukem Retirement Home would be a good one. <laughs> Uh-oh, I forgot to take out the trash for trash day. Yeah, exactly. It's like, damn, what day is trash day? Or, like, uh, trying to get my best Duke Nukem on, uh, be like, damn, those neighborhood kids are in my lawn. You know, like, it's... I, I'm, I'm interested in the boomer Duke Nukem. Boomer boomer Duke Nukem. Um, he lives in, like, a 65-plus retirement community. Like, he's still jacked. He's just oh, old. Yeah. yeah, exactly. He's just salt and pepper, you know? He's got, like... He's leathery now because he lives in Florida. <laughs> But he's the, he's not Rambo. He's not he's, no. he, like he's not trying to be Rambo. He's just trying to live as normal a life as Duke Nukem can. Actually, yeah, exactly. you know what? Someone make this movie. This deserves yes. to be a movie. I think this is maybe the best concept for a video game. It's like an anti-video game movie almost, but it is based on a video game character, you know, but it's in a situation that's completely, you know, uh trans it, it it transcends the series. It, it it doesn't really mean anything. I I, I don't know. I, I it's just a funny concept. Um, maybe we'll see one for like a uh, like a big uh, game that's been popular recently. Maybe we'll finally get a a League of Legends movie. You know, we got a we got a Doom movie again. <laughs> Is there another Doom movie coming out? I think, well, no, it's just there is a second one out there. 
I, I think. Is there there are two Doom movies, right? I, I don't remember. I don't or a Halo think. movie? Maybe we can get a good Halo movie? See, I don't think Halo would work. I really, Why's really that? don't. I don't think Halo would work. Like, it, they would have to, like... Like, I feel like The Last of Us would be a good movie. Ah. Because it's already basically a movie. Um, Probably something, you know... I think the... Uh, and hands down, like, the best, like, video game or video game adjacent movie is definitely Detective Pikachu. Like, oh, 100% yeah. for sure. Like, it, like, it's not perfect, but it is watchable. Okay, yeah, I haven't seen it, but, you know, I'll, I'll let that stand. Yeah, um, if you haven't checked out Detective Pikachu, like, if it, it might be on a streaming service, I have no idea. If it, if it is free for you to watch, I, I highly suggest it. It's a good time. Um, anyway, so all of, all of, like, you know, the little wrap-up questions aside, um, I did want to talk about something, uh, specifically that had to do with 2020 and how it's kind of changed the movie industry. Mm. So, um, with the pandemic ongoing, uh, we're seeing streaming take its rise over the traditional theater, and, like, it, like, it's almost full send, like, streaming is the king now. And I kind of just want to talk about how we got there. So, to put it into context, um, you heard about the HBO Max and Warner Bros deal right i have not okay so warner brothers like is a partial owner in the hbo max like app like streaming service uh-huh. and so what they've elected to do is all major releases for um from christmas day to uh i think mid-january of 2022 they're actually going to release all of their major releases on hbo max and in theaters so like wonder woman 84 for example like okay that came out on christmas day on hbo max but it also came out in theaters where applicable i heard it was a really whatever movie yes and and that's that's more or less beside the point i'm not into dc i'm really done with superhero content at this point like I yeah think, and of I course think they had enough. to give wonder woman well i was gonna say they had to give wonder woman the shaft i don't feel like that's an appropriate thing to say <laughs> Um, but they shafted Wonder Woman with this, of course. Oh, of course, of course. But, I mean... You know, it, th- th- that's kind of beside the point for me. It's um, it's kind of like we're start. I think the transition is starting because Disney has also been kind of releasing some of their movies on their streaming service as well. Like I like I mentioned earlier, Soul also came out on Christmas Day. And um, the curious thing that's happening now because I saw a couple of articles about it. Um, Disney saw millions of new subscription and app downloads on Christmas Day, and HBO hmm. had a sizable amount of subscriptions and downloads as well but like not quite as much as disney so it's like oh so they're almost counting this like box office numbers okay yeah but a subscription is a thing you're really only supposed to buy one time ideally right like you become a subscriber and you stay a subscriber that's like their perfect situation business model right exactly but like i just um we're gonna get into this here in a second but like it's not sustainable like no. like as far as how they've been making movies i don't see how they could do this but i do think i might have a solution and i will okay. get into that in a moment but um so do you think that streaming is the way of the future like do you prefer watching movies at home or do you prefer going to the theater i truly don't care um i honestly as is the premise of the podcast a- am not like super wrapped up in movies as is so again being a truly casual viewer it's not going to change my life a lot if I never get to go back to a movie theater. But one thing I do want to see is more, like, independent film, more local projects, more mm-hmm. regional projects, stuff like that. Because I'm 
I'm tired of the big old conglomerate model. I'm tired of the big, like, business side of it where, yes, they can put together huge movies, and yes, it's a feast for the eyes, and yes, it's this crazy thing, but, like, at the same time, like, I mean, it's just, like... It, it just it loses it it doesn't feel human a lot of times anymore you know yeah. like there's no it's supposed to be art right but it's not art it's just entertainment for the sake of like filling up the void you know it's and almost i it's almost like they're big commercials half the time yeah yeah and it's not even that they're trying to sell me anything in particular it's just that like it's selling the series more you know like the marvel stuff like some of those marvel movies are pretty good i think the actors that are in there are talented i think they do a good job i think they put a lot of money into the production i i think it looks good but like at the same time it's just i don't think it's gonna be like a soul-shattering super memorable type thing like i think the marvel movie phenomenon as it relates to disney owning it is going to be a very uh decade thing like the 20 teens will be remembered for that and oh, yeah. that's it you know like i <laughs> or just like you had like your total recall raiders of the lost Ark, star wars thing happened in the 80s we had that in the 20 teens yeah i agree i completely agree it's 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 definitely going to be something that's going to fall out of fashion very quickly kind of like how zombies did like around the turn of like the mid teens yeah of course they fell out of fashion it just it didn't have any soul anymore you know and i feel like we're losing that in a lot of movies from big studios and um maybe this will change that maybe this will give us a broader variety of content or maybe it'll just make people realize that it is truly like well for lack of a better term worthless it's just filler so you don't have to think about the impending doom you know but like when you think about something like a local project or an artistic project that somebody put together like you were talking about making content where it's because i want to do it or it's because it's my thing i'm not really a competitive guy it's not about jacking the numbers up maybe we'll see more of that stuff come out as a counterculture oh yeah for sure and i'm definitely going to talk about that here in a second but um speaking speaking of independent film is and that's basically where you're going with that is like independent film or um you know like internet film specifically like youtube like like you could take like a marble hornets or something like that mm. like that's technically like outsider indie art and um you know and it's like having to um having things come out in theaters and digital at the same time is actually not as weird as everyone thinks because the independent film studios figured out this model like almost a decade earlier than the big studios did really yeah because um i remember like a lot of independent studios like um like ifc films and um a24 when they first started out like you could rent their movies on demand the same time that they were in like you know select cinemas or only art house cinemas like you know um so, I mean, and I remember be seeing those on demand, like, from Comcast, like, as, like, you know, a younger kid. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I definitely know what you're talking about. I think that's, uh, I think it's good that they kind of have claimed that corner of the market, kind of the way that, like, Etsy is, like, an online marketplace for, like, yes. handmade goods, you know? And, like, that's really cool. I think that maybe when I say like counterculture, seeing something like that, like we might not just see like a streaming thing for it, but that we might see a withdrawal from the digital platform completely. And like, if you're not in the know, you're just not in the know, you know, like there is no Facebook page for it, or maybe there is a Facebook page that will post it the, the day of, and you have to go yeah. see it the day of at a local place or like music, you know, like back in the day, see back in the day, I don't know, 2009, 2010, like there, there was like a local rock scene. And like, if you didn't know the bands or you 
you didn't know what the venue was, like, good luck. You're, you're not going to be able to go to the, the Target CD section and find any of those bands, you know? Like, if you're right. not in the know, you're just not in the know. And maybe we'll see that with this type of content as well, where people just kind of withdraw and they're like, oh, yeah, can I watch that on Netflix? It's like, huh, you don't know anything, huh? You're like, you know, that, well, it'll be kind of pretentious, but it'll be like, uh, <laughs> it, it'll be its own thing. Yeah, I, I mean, it is largely its own thing anyway, but... Like, I would love to see, you know, more independent cinema, like, more in the mainstream. Like, and we kind of started to see that in the 2000s with things like Juno and technically Superbad. But, mm-hmm. like, um, I- I'd rather see things like that because I think the thing that the studios are so afraid of is that they're going to give the general masses something that, like, either they won't understand or that is, like, too complex, what they think is too complex for them to, like you know process and have a fun time in the movies but like and th- and that's like my main thing with art and cinema is that y- you are smarter than what they're giving you like everyone is smarter than what they're giving you like they're, they're like if you're what if you find yourself knowing how a movie's gonna go or how a tv show is gonna go before it's even over that means it's because it's been fed to you several times like that same right, storyline yeah. or, or similar structure like and that's why i've always liked most independent films better is because i'm at least going to be surprised even if i kind of know where it's going sometimes something will surprise me out of it or it's at least done very well like marvel it's like i know what's going to happen like okay this is going like i called the entirety of um endgame like i knew exactly how every single bit of it was going to go down right and that's just because like i've been fed this story before it was basically return of the king and return of the jedi like they that's all they did yeah exactly i mean it's a it's a story arc that people respond well to they knew it so they did it and it's not like we haven't been watching an endless stream of marvel movies up until this point we know how it goes we know what it looks like and then they give it to you one big finale and you're like yeah oh he said the line bart you know like that whole thing exactly exactly and so yeah we, we got to get off of it because i could talk about you know big studio versus independent because i think they both have their merits and both can be trash and both can be great it's just you know it depends on what kind of trash you like and what kind of great you like right um Anyway, so where I'm going with this is that, you know, they're going to have to figure out a way to fix this conundrum because I think a lot of people are getting used to watching things at home now instead of having to go all the way to the theater. And uh, they're definitely going to have to figure it out quick because Disney has already fell on its face by making people pay 30 extra bucks on top of their subscription fee for Mulan. Yeah. Like that did not work out for them at all. And then Mulan was free like two months later. And see, that's the thing is, like, if they're going to make people pay for a subscription, that's already firewalled me out of being interested in any of their content. Because, like, I wasn't super interested anyway, but I'm definitely not able to just go on a whim to the movie theater and see it now. So, like, I'm just not going to watch it. Exactly. (laughs) I'm sure there's plenty of people like that out there who are like, well, I mean, if I have to have a subscription and then buy it, well, I don't have a subscription. And now that I have to pay extra money for that movie, I'm definitely not going to go get a subscription and pay the extra 30 bucks for it. So, like, that's just not happening. Exactly. So... I, and this this brought me to like I was thinking like well how would I fix this and I think I actually have a pretty good idea of how they could corner how movie theaters could corner the market on this new problem because here's the thing they can't keep fighting streaming like it's here like the damage is done and they're just gonna have to kind of start rolling with it um so here's my suggestion to all of the big studios so if you're listening um please cut me in on this deal because i think it's a good idea yeah don't steal a stuff 
don't steal it okay so i think that all of the major chains like first of all they just like i think a couple of them just need to merge because that's gonna make this new solution that much easier but let's just say regal cinemas like that mm -hmm. that's the one i'm most familiar with that's probably my favorite theater to go to personally it's a regal they're always clean they look nice they have nice projectors i don't really care for concessions so i don't really care all that much but Anyway, so let's just say Regal Cinemas makes a deal with all the major film studios. Now, here's where the subscription comes in. Now, you can go to the movie and pay $10 to $14 to pay, to watch it, or you can watch it at home for $10 to $14, depending on what the movie is. They could charge more per whatever the movie is. But mm -hmm. now we're getting into... So it would just be like an app on your phone or on your TV, and you can watch whatever new movie you want. You just got to pay a ticket price for it, and that that money goes directly to whatever your theater is like your closest mm -hmm. regal cinemas so that's like tier one that's like i don't have to do anything with this if i don't want to so tier two is ten dollars a month and i think and this is where it gets a little different so you get two premiere films for that ten dollars a month so that means in that ten dollars you're getting to either you can either watch two movies streaming, go to the theater and see two movies, or you can do half half a one, a dozen of the other. You could watch one on streaming and actually go to the theater and see it. You also get a host of re-releases, so like almost like um, like a Netflix, like just a bunch of movies that you can watch that you don't have to pay anything extra for. And then you also get 15% off of concessions at the movie theater. So that's kind of like encouraging people to also go to the theater, but now they're diversifying where they're, because they're not getting the streaming money and they're not getting the people coming into the theater. So they need to find a way to get both. And then of course, tier three, would be like $18 a month, five premiere films, hosted re-releases, and 30% off of concessions. So they need to meet the audience where they're at. They need to give them the option to stream, but also give them the option to come in. And if they don't do either, if they're subscribed, you're getting their money anyway. So See, I think that maybe uh, movie theaters should take on the Hooters business model. <laughs> And that you should just have like a like a dining theater where your waitress has like a fun shirt on, or like the dude is just wearing like a banana hammock when he brings you your your prime rib sandwich. Exactly, when he's bringing your you your McRib because uh, McDonald's is taking this whole thing over now. Oh um, no! Now we're ooh yeah ooh this is uh this is a this is an interesting concept now. <laughs> McMovies. McMovies. Oh god, I, I, I hate, hate it. it. We're I, getting I hate sued. it already. We're getting sued. Anyway, um. But I mean, what do you think about that? Like, because I think that business-wise, like, they need to get in on the streaming money just in case something like this happens again. They already have the infrastructure to make sure that they're always making money. Uh, like, yeah, I see that. I think that a while back, I can't remember if it was AMC or Cinemark or, like, someone tried to do a thing where you could buy a subscription similar to, like, an Xbox Live Pass thing and you could just come watch movies. Like, however much you want. Yes. It costs, I don't even remember how much it was. It was, like, $80 a year or something like that. And, like, you got like discounts on concessions and you were able to just come in and watch a movie you just come in and when you buy your ticket you're like oh i have a pass and they're like oh okay here you go here's ticket you go you know and like that's uh that's super cool that's super fun but obviously it wasn't enough to save them from 2020 and now they're hurting really bad right and that's what i'm saying it's like if they live in an area where they can't you know show boot like they you can't have people come in and i've seen like a lot of independent film studios actually kind of do something similar to this 
where they're able to um, license them to stream on their website, and you just pay a fee to watch it on their website. Well, that'd be interesting. I think maybe they could also uh, just cut costs of operation. Like, they could have smaller theaters. Exactly. So, like, you know, they could go from having, like, a 20-screen theater to, like, a 10-screen theater, and, you know, Mm -hmm. like, put an arcade or, like, a little chill area, like, maybe have a cafe in there or something. But, but, you know, like, they, like I said, like, they have to stop fighting streaming. Like, they're not going to win. Like, it's or we could do virtual reality movies. Oh, I mean, that's kind of a thing. I think on the uh, Oculus Quest, you can watch a Netflix movie like that, like where it looks like you're in a seat. Ah, oh, okay. Well, I was thinking about you go to the theater and they have a helmet you put on and it's like a 4D room and you're standing there with the headset on and it's like blowing the fire at you and, you know, it's blowing ice cubes at you, and but you have the helmet on. <laughs> right. I get you. I get you. Um, I mean, that, I mean, that's definitely something that's going to be coming in the future, but as far as right now, like, especially if they kind of start doing something like I mentioned here, um, a lot, like, a lot of people would bring up the fact, like, well, that's gonna kill art house theaters, and actually, I don't think that they will ever go away. Yeah, I mean, we still have art museums, and if we have art museums, we'll definitely have art theaters. Oh, yeah, I mean, because I think they offer something that big theater chains have never offered, and, Mm -hmm. like, the right of streaming and like people like watching more independent film and independent television that's going to fuel more people to be more interested in that kind of thing and also i think the independent film theaters need to keep doing re-releases and like special anniversary screenings because that's what really brings people in yeah like you know people might see the poster for some weird independent film and be like oh that looks cool and then come in but i mean like how many people really do that yeah like, you gotta you're, you're really out. gonna make your money on like the re-releases yeah And, I mean, and I hate that because I wish people would give more things a chance. But, I mean, I've also been one of those people where it's like, eh, poster looks boring, I don't give a shit. But then sometimes I'll go back and like, oh shit, how did I miss this? So, sometimes, you know, you gotta give something a chance even if the advertising's not great. Yeah, uh, you could also just do paintball movie theaters. Exactly, exactly. But, I mean, I think especially if, like, normal theaters close, I think art house theaters would thrive, actually. I think so, too. I'd be interested to see what they would do with all those big-ass rooms in those big ass buildings that they put all these movie theaters in like oh, uh, i mean it, it become like an office space i mean that's that's really what ends up happening anyway i'm cool with it i'm trying to do like a hydroponic grow facility where i have like things growing on the walls and i'm harvesting tomatoes out of a toilet bowl jesus christ i mean look i'm just trying to come up with green solutions for a better tomorrow and that's gonna be the name of uh john's gardens and we take over old movie theater buildings and we use them to make food for the community it's organic it's crunchy granola uh you can feel good about the food coming out of your former movie theater it still tastes like thanos (laughs) it still tastes it still tastes like that like you know processed like fucking um movie theater popcorn butter ah yeah 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 it's just full of dicetal Oh, God. Anyway, to kind of wrap this up, like, I think all of this culminated, like, when I was thinking about, like, you know, independent theaters and, like, where the theater industry is going. Like, I I think I really want to open my own independent cinema. Oh, okay. Like, my own art house. Like, I've been thinking about, like, you know, what kind of, like, if I were to own a place, like, what what I would want to do. And, like, I think think having, like, an independent cinema is, like, almost the way to go. Like, it almost makes sense to me now. You know what? You got to find an up-and-coming urban area. You got to find somewhere that's gonna have like an art scene or an underground or something like that and then just plop that bad boy down and make it a cultural hub oh yeah for sure and like i i mean i have plans i don't necessarily want to put 
them like out on front street on this podcast <laughs> but i um i have plans so you know it's it it might be in the 10-year plan we'll see what happens I like it. I like it. For your mm. Infilmation Cinema. For I mean, I I honestly maybe that's what I would call it. Mm. We can report. We can record our podcast out of there, John. Hey, yeah, come do you live from the Infilmation Studios here in sunny, sunny Manhattan, New York. <laughs> can you imagine? We we actually have a real studio that we meet at to do this bullshit. Yes, ninety-eight point four, the film with Frank Synopsis at noon. Oh God, is he up at noon? Ah, uh, probably not. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's I think I think that's good. I think I think I'm ready to send season two off and get ready for season three. Same. So, um, you know, once again, just thank you for an amazing season. Um, we we really appreciate you guys listening. Um, we 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 started this thinking that no one would listen, and hey, look at us now. Yeah, we have like a handful of listeners in Australia. Good day, I... Australia. Don't uh, don't get eaten by a by a, a wallaby. <laughs> Uh, good a, night, a Australia. <laughs> a, a, a drop bear, maybe. Yeah, li- little did you know, no cap is actually short for no capybara because we're not in Australia. But I have to tell you, I'm not in Australia, so you understand the context of what I'm about to tell you. No cap. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay, so make sure to check us out on Facebook. Give us five stars on Apple Podcasts so that way we get more shitheads like you in here. And uh, as always, watch a new movie this week and every week. Uh, For For Your Information, I'm Zach. And I'm John. All right. Season two has officially concluded, and we'll see you in February for season three. Bye, guys. And cut.